Welcome to TSC Talks. You are here back with Jill. I I stepped away for a little while. I left the podcast back in February of 2021. I think my last guest was Nikki Lawley and felt called to take some time to reflect on the work I'd done and just kind of really let it all sink in and figure out what direction I was going in and kind of just open to, I'm going to say divine guidance and and that's so that's what I've been on this journey and finally feeling like I wanted to come back and record another podcast. And I had I have the honor of being here with uh, my friend, personal friend and mentor, uh, Nita Patry. And I will let Nita introduce herself, but I just want to mention how I met Nina. So I had stepped away from the podcast and really doing some deep inner work, things in my life with my family and children. There were some issues with my son and seizures and epilepsy. Yeah. So I was feeling a lot of, you know, real stress and going into deeper dimensions, exploring my spirituality really was helping me, helping me come back home, feel heal. But I still, I was seeking. And so I was exploring all these different forums. And one person that I started to follow, her name's Lori Ladd. She's a, she's a essential guide, a spiritual teacher, just a wonderful glowing human being who has just brings in a lot of a lot of light and wisdom and so we she has a patreon group we were i was on her group and we were list i was listening i keep saying we because obviously i'm going to tell you that i met nina there but (laughs) i just did (laughs) so i we were on this and chatting and i don't know how it how we crossed paths i might have mentioned something about one of my my children and nina popped up and said she had something that she could relate to related to that and we ended up scheduling a meeting did I freeze scheduling a meeting and yeah you you did okay if if that happens again I may have to move my back to my office I'm so hopefully it won't Uh oh okay yeah so anyways uh enough about me I'm excited to have Nina here and tell me a little bit she's she well first let me just give a few words about her so I met her in this Lori Ladd forum had no idea who who she really was except she lived in Rutland Vermont and I live in Rutland Massachusetts so we already had that commonality and we just uh we started chatting she said she she I don't know whether you had mentioned paradox process at that point but she was learning this or she had learned this and was in the middle of learning this this um I don't know whether to call it a program, this program, a uh, real therapeutic program that we'll talk about it within the course of the podcast, and it might be helpful for me. And so we went from there and just, I uh, just really appreciate her ninja skills with, with <laughs> paradox yeah. process and yeah. being a fellow student of life, someone that has had a lot of uh, lived experience myself. I think uh, Nina will hopefully share some of hers. So I'm Nina. And actually, my recollection of how we met, I sort of think that we had somehow connected, liked each other and liked each other's posts on Facebook, maybe before we were on that Laurie Ladd live together. Wow. You're probably right. That's the way I told the story anyway. You know, that, that, that somehow we were aware of each other, because then when you popped up 
Lori was calling you up to almost be on. Oh, yes, you're right. Remember? And and you were and you were having technical difficulties and I was texting you. Somehow I had your number or maybe it was through Messenger from Facebook. That's probably yeah. what it was. I was texting you going, go, come on, you can do it. You can yep, do yep, it. And yep. hurting you. And then when you didn't end up getting on with her, I texted you and said, well, maybe this was more about you and me connecting than about you. Right. Thank you. Today. That's Thank the way you. I, remember. I remember it. And and then when I learned that you had three special needs kids, I said, hey, I have three special needs people in my family. I have a brother and, and twin nieces, my favorite people in my family. And um, they're all in a wonderful community down in Virginia. And I said, if you ever want to talk about that. And then we had a long phone call. That's right. Okay. And it was at the end of the phone call. I said, gee, you know, I'm doing this learning this thing called this paradox process and i need somebody i need people to practice it with would you ever consider right and you said i'd be honored and i was like oh my goodness <laughs> and we've been going since then we've been we've been thank you for sharpening my memory it's not as sharp as i'd like it to be but now that you say that it all comes back yeah yeah i think that was the way it went that we had met each other in a forum before lori ladd Right, right. Right. We met on Facebook, I think. We just were, I think we were, I think you're drawn to certain people. I mean, I know I, you're, absolutely. You're, you're drawn to certain people. And I think you and I had been drawn to each other and communicated some on Facebook. And then we had the Lori Ladd connection and then we've been off and running since then. Yes. Yes. That's, and it's been great. Yes, it has. Yes. It, yes. Nina yeah. has helped me considerably. I will, I will highly recommend her magical abilities or divine abilities so well thank you thank i appreciate you. that so let's see i am who am i <laughs> well you know what i i was gonna say why don't you start with your timeline i mean okay. tell me a little bit about where you were born and sure, what you're sure. well i was born in new york city in 1947 i'm the first of seven children that my parents had wow um, so that's that's been interesting in and of itself <laughs> i can um, only imagine being only yeah. one of two yeah and we moved around quite a bit when i was a kid because my dad was a doctor he was i think he was an intern when i was born my mother always tells the story that there was a huge snowstorm in new york a couple of days before i was born and she walked across central park she always said that was what she thought brought on her labor oh she i called, bet she called the hospital to say to get my dad and they said you can't talk to him he's in surgery and she said i have to talk to him i'm his wife and i'm in labor <laughs> so and so they got him and he mm -hmm. came and got her and they always told me this funny story they said there were you know because of the snowstorm there were very few cars on the streets of new york city mm -hmm. that day and they always told me well this nice man gave us his let us have his taxi in my child's mind I always went, I pictured the taxi cab driver getting out of his taxi and saying, here, take my taxi, take her to the hospital. And I always thought, how did they get the cab back to the <laughs> back to the taxi? Well, of course, I I won't tell you how recently it is that it dawned on me that no, no, it was must have been the passenger that got out and, and you know, said, take my anyway. So that's that's just the that's funny. Yeah, a, yeah you know, the, a your, child's your memory. Brain, it's like the way way you think it's very literal and i still do take things very literally you know, yes, it's just do I. Part, a part of who i am 
anyway, so we were, so we, yeah, we moved around quite a bit. We were in New York for a couple of years after I was born. I had one brother born there. Then we moved to Baltimore for the first time. My dad was at Johns Hopkins. Wow. Um, and then we, we were there for a couple of years. Another sister was born. Then we moved to Massachusetts. He did, a, uh, I think, a postdoc up there. Another sister was born. Then we moved back to Baltimore. Wow. Uh, it was when I was going into first grade. And, and then we were there. Um, they lived there for 15 or more years. Um, so I graduated from high school in Baltimore. And then another after about 15 or so years there, they, they started, they moved a little bit again. They moved a couple more times, but in any case, so I moved around quite a bit as a kid. Yeah, um, I did too. That's funny. Yeah. We haven't talked yeah. about that, but. No. So it was in Baltimore mm-hmm. going to a, a wonderful uh, Quaker school. My dad sent us to a, a, Qua- a nice. A Were you raised school. as a Quaker? No, I was not raised in any religion as fate okay. would have. Um, okay. I found people actually who took me, who took me to church and Quaker meetings and things. I found neighbors. There was a woman across the street who, um, because I often wonder, how did I get my, this belief in God that I've kind of always Yeah, that's what I was trying to like tease out. Yeah, I, I'm not sure kind of where that, I mean, I know that my, my mother's mother, my grandmother, whom I spent time with was a Sunday school teacher, Okay. but I don't remember that even though I stayed with them, I would go and stay with her parents who were the older grandparents. Uh-huh. Um, I think I did that as because it was a place where the other kids went to the younger grandparents. This was a place where I could go and be the only one. Plus she had cats, plus she had plants that I could water and, you know, glazed donuts and certain, you know, there Ooh, were a, nice. lot things, a lot of things that I really liked about being there. Blo- a, bl- a safe blossoming spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And not that I feel I was ever blossoming that much as a kid. I have to yeah. say I was a very scared kid. Were you? Um, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. I mean, just from yeah. the start of that many moves before you hit first grade yeah. had to be. I know for me, uh, I think we moved over the course of my upbringing like six times six times you know yeah. and they were yeah. spaced throughout my childhood you know up until high school so gift of you know an unexpected blessing looking back but not easy not easy no I yeah it, I think it's I think it's one of the major themes of my life I've had a lot of very a lot of a whole range of interesting experiences and, and part of what I think they did for me, including that my junior year in high school, I was in Germany for years as a exchange student. Oh my goodness. I went to I, Germany I right after high school. Are you kidding? Yes, but it's, here's the thing. Don't ask me a word of German. I just went with my, my friend was the exchange student, came to my high school, stayed yeah. for a year, then invited me to come back. I didn't go for a year. I'm sorry. Yeah. She was yeah. there for a year. I went back and visited her for three yeah. weeks or a month. So oh my God. funny. That is funny. Well, I was there for a year. Wow. Um, didn't speak much German. We didn't have German in my school. Um, I did a little bit at a Berlitz school before I went, mm-hmm. got there and, you know, didn't speak much German at all, but learned it pretty quickly. I'm good. I love languages. I've always loved languages. Have you? But what I was going to say was, I think this whole, the moving around and having varied life experiences helps kind of keep you in touch with this notion or realize that, okay, there's my reality and other, there are other different realities. There's this way that I grew up and there's this way that people live. Oh, and then you go to Germany and they don't get the milk 
from a bottle in the grocery store, you take the containers to the store and they pump the milk into the container for you and you carry it walking back and forth. You know, just just little that, differences. Just a little yeah. example, but but just this notion that life is different and for different people in different places. I think that's a really good thing to know because people can get very stuck, especially we see these days in this is my reality, this is the reality. And if you don't agree, then you're wrong, you know, basically. Yeah. So I, I, really, I really appreciate that about all kind of the transitions and different experiences I've had in my life. Um, you that's, know, yeah, no. that's really beautiful. It's, it, yeah, it kind of forces you to be more of a soul, not a role. Yeah, I, I think it, it just opens your eyes in a different way. Absolutely. I, 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 not that I appreciated this at the at the time. I was extremely, no, I know, right? I was I was extremely homesick my whole year there, and I was, in fact, I kind of had a first conversion when I was there because I met some Mormon missionaries. Um, Interesting. And my, you know, American Mormon missionaries, and my German sister came home one day saying, "Oh, I saw these Americans today out on the square," and and. I was like Americans and I was so homesick and these guys were the closest thing I could find to home. So I started, I went and found them right away. Uh-huh. I was not shy. <laughs> um, I mean, I was shy, but I wasn't shy. So I went and found them uh-huh. and um, ended up hanging out with them a fair amount to the point where I started going to church and they gave me the book of Mormon to read and they me to pray about it, which I did. And I woke up one morning thinking I was sure that I had had an answer that yes, this was true. And I think the most the best thing about the Mormon missionaries was that when we we would fast, so they would fast from like Saturday night after meal till till the next day after church. So Sunday, you just started doing that you you stepped into that. Well, I just well, here's why. The reason I think I did it, one of the biggest reasons is that after church, I can't remember what happened in church, but I do remember that after church, a bunch of us went out for Chinese food and then we played volleyball. (laughs) And I love, I've always loved playing sports. You know, I grew up a tomboy. And so that was my first introduction to volleyball, which, um, You know, a few years ago at the age of 70, I, I started playing volleyball again, and I could not believe that I was 70 years old, still able to play volleyball. And I was fairly, you know, I was fairly good. I was a decent player. I, I couldn't do it for too long because I threw out one shoulder and then the other shoulder. And I finally said, okay, I guess I'm not meant to do this right now. Okay. Right. But, but I was just, it was, I mean, I remember playing it these, you know, a few years ago going, Oh my God. And I would tell people I live for Tuesday nights when we have volleyball. Because I love that. I, would, I love that. I would go and I would just be sort of dancing around on the Your inner court. child. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I had so much fun and I always said I would rather lose a close game than win a game where we just, you know, knocked out the other team because I wanted, I wanted the fun the- and the camaraderie and the challenge and the physical you know and the physical movement and those are the things i wanted about the playing the winning the winning was okay and winning was nice but it wasn't it's never been the main thing for me you know i i do i'm very so similar anyway, so yeah so that's my so that's my german mormon conversion story I, like I said, I was very homesick and mm-hmm. I wrote to my dad and I said, you know, I, I want to convert to Mormonism, of course. And my dad being the very astute guy that he was, but the kind of not too willing to 
face things head on emotionally. Um, and in fact, my boyfriend at the time, I had a boyfriend that I had left, my first serious boyfriend. And he was so he was very concerned because I was writing to him saying, well, if we're going to get married, you know, you're going to have to convert to Mormonism, <laughs> which he didn't take very kindly to. Um, he actually went down to my dad's office at Johns Hopkins to see him a, twice. I learned I learned this years later. I didn't really. Know but he yeah, he went down to see um, to see my dad to say he was worried about me. And really? my dad, my dad being my dad said, oh, she's OK. She's just homesick. She'll get over it. And to me, my dad just said, well, why don't you wait to convert until you get home, knowing pretty well that, you know, I would come home and this would pass, which it did. Really? OK. Yeah. But but that's but and my dad was absolutely correct. However, the emotional impact. <laughs> absolutely. I can I can see that like that threat. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. you were oh you were just drawn to like you were seeking you were just drawn to this oh something well, I th I think it was I was in life and I was they were talking about sort of a meaning of life and I mm -hmm. like a gestalt of what life is about and it was about the spiritual world and having a father in heaven and oh my gosh yeah if you had a father in heaven wouldn't you want him to know what you were going through wouldn't you want to connect with him and I mean I was I just was like riveted with this whole notion of oh there's more to life than this you mean we maybe come from somewhere else and and then we go so, and i mean i think i wrote home at one point that i almost was interested in this sounds crazy but dying just to see what if they're really if it was true you know what what is there after after that you know which i guess concerned one or maybe my sister or one or two people but um anyway i mean I think I had a fascination, but I was actually kind of indoctrinated while you were like, there was, we were really deep into conservative Christianity and come to find out it turns to be, you know, I'm really grateful for those, those lessons, but I had to go a long way around to figure that out. But I had yeah. this fascination with, yeah, with eternity, with like, with death, with, with those yeah. like expanded ideas, I think. Right, right. Those big questions. Well, yeah. I, and I think, I think, yeah, those two of my big fascinations have always been one, the human, the mind, the emotions. I mean, my emotions were, as I'll get to in a few minutes, I'm sure, I, I started pretty early on looking for answers to what was up with my emotions. Mm -hmm. And then this whole question of, where do we come from? Where do we go? You know, I was always reading about near, I love near-death experiences. Yep. I've read a whole bunch of books on near-death experiences. So I think those were two of my fascinations. Now, two of my loves, I would say my first loves were nature. I've always said that my best friends, my first friends were nature, first of all, from an early age in really? Massachusetts, I was going out in the woods, going for walks by myself and this was before i was in first grade so i was fairly young wow but, you know going for walks in the woods um and then my cat at some point again when we were still in massachusetts so before first grade my dad came home with a it almost makes me cry now came home with a cat for me and i just couldn't believe they had done something given me something so wonderful i was <laughs> I was so thrilled. I was so in love with that cat. She was like my world. She was my safety. She slept right here on my chest. I just loved her to pieces. Especially being the oldest of seven. I can imagine that, you know, that kind of, um, I'm sure you felt loved, but that kind of a like bond that you get with an animal is. I have to say, I'm not sure I, I did feel loved. I think I felt, 
I my my perception of what I did with being the oldest was that I very early on decided or realized that my role was to be quiet and not need anything. Mm, that makes um, yeah, that makes a lot no. of sense. So, and I'm not saying my parents abused me or anything at all. Oh like no, I, I hear that. Just, they were very busy. My my father was fairly well known in his field. He was busy. He literally traveled the world during his career. Wow. And he not only did his job, but he wrote books. He wrote articles for the New wow. York Times. You know, he and he was a, a kind of a workaholic. He was very invested in his work, and he had a lot of responsibility. He had seven kids that he had to provide for. So right. You know, was, so you understood it and you almost like internalized it. Well, no, no, I'm not saying I understood it when I was a kid. I understand okay. it in hindsight. Yeah. Um, as a kid, what I understood was every two years there was another baby and my mother had a lot on her plate and be quiet. The baby's crying. Got it. And, and that kind of thing. I think that's that's why the picture that I got. So then this cat comes into my life and I was like, Oh my gosh. And I was just, I always say that I never felt actually close to another human being until I was 18 years old. Wow. When I first really connected with another human being and felt like I, you know, let somebody know who I was, who, who I really who was, or what was going on with me. You know? Wow. That's like a long time. Kind of a big secret up until then. Yeah. So then, so then the, another theme in my life is I think that I've always had these these kind of knowings, I guess, for instance, now the cat died, I think it was 1956. So I would have been eight or eight, maybe we were in the Adirondacks for the summer mm -hmm. and my cat gets sick and oh my God, I was so heartbroken. And my dad took her to the vet. And anyway, she died the next day. I was just, oh my goodness, the end of my world. It was a Saturday morning. My friend Flicker, Rin Tin Tin, all the shows about the kids with their animals were, were on. I was just so heartbroken. Now, here's the really interesting thing. I mean, and that, that was one of my big first major, losses. major losses. Yeah, that I remember consciously. Here's the thing. And I forgot this for a long time, but I realized later that that night I had a dream that the cat called me up on a payphone from heaven. No. To tell me that she was all right. Yes. Yes. Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh, I just got like full body chills. <laughs> I'm, so there was some way in which I've, I think I've always been connected. Another one was that when, before I went to Germany, so the year before I went, I was sitting, I was in the affiliation club at school and it was supposed to have been somebody from the class ahead of me that went. So I went in 64, 65 somebody from the class ahead of me was supposed to have gone the year before I went, but stuff was going on with the Berlin wall and her parents decided, no, they didn't want to let her go. So then it fell to my class. They make this announcement in our club meeting and I just got full hot. My whole body got hot flash going. I know I'm going to be the one to go. I just, wow, I, didn't, you I, knew didn't it. Say, I didn't say it to anybody. I just knew it. I just knew it, you know, and, and that's what happened. So I think, I sort of, I do see us all as spiritual beings who come in and decide to come into the body, live, have this human life, um, and that we make a plan, that we make it, I believe, I believe we make a complete 
plan for our lives, what we want to learn, what we want to experience, who we're going to do it with, et cetera, et cetera. Now, I like to put in this plug for that point of view, because I know not everybody believes that. Right. But what I like about that point of view is that even if it's not true, I do maintain that it is the most powerful way to look at life. Because if you look at it that way, as something that you've created yourself, you can always be in the position to say, what's here for me? What's the gift? What is there to learn? What am I getting out of this? Right there. That's it. I just got, yeah, that switch. And I think that until I understood that, it helped me in, in ways I cannot even explain, especially with my children. You know, it helped me accept a lot of, lot of history of running through, running through life, but knowing, you know, the turnaround being knowing I chose that path and, and yeah, so. Right. And, and I'm not at all saying that I, I've always had that view, but when I came to that view and the more that I've held that view and the more that I've lived that way. I've also looked back on my life and more and more appreciated what all the lessons have been, what I gained from each, ex I haven't been through every, you know, I haven't had like a full life review yet, but, <laughs> but I think that I'm doing it. I often think I'm doing my life review as I'm living it. Um, you are, but, I think, but, I think that's part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, I had I had written this before we you went at, you came on. In retrospect, how have your perceptions of your circumstances and lived experiences led you to uncover more of your soul's purpose? And I think that's exactly what you've been you've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. So, so, so you ha had the so cat. The cat died. Had the cat. The cat died. Yep. Um, I have a cat now. <laughs> That's a whole other story. We won't go into that, <laughs> but I love her to pieces. I just, I just heard something recently. Somebody posted on Facebook something about behind every great woman is a cat that follows her into the bathroom. And I'm like, yep, I got that. <laughs> but um, in any case, okay, so now, so I'm in Germany. I come back from Germany. Yep. And that I would say, that's when I first started realizing that I had, um, things weren't okay. That's, I think, when it became clear that things were not okay. Um, I was kind of a mess when I came back. I literally was like, had so much energy in me, but I could not sit still. I was just driven. I really literally, it was like, I couldn't sit down. Huh. And somebody at, at school commented, oh, it's so sad about Nina. Before she went away, she was friends with everybody and she came back and now she's not friends with anybody. And I felt oh, very hard. You know, my senior year, I felt like I had two friends in my class, and that's a whole nother story. <laughs> anyway, so so that was the start of me looking, kind of looking for help. Mm -hmm. um, so I not wasn't that first year. I, so I graduated from high school, having been away my junior year. I had no idea what's college all about, what's applying to college. Right. I felt very lost in all of that, but but I did it, and I went to college. And then something happened my first, my year away at college that I got very upset about. And that was the first time I went to my dad or my parents and said, Hey, I, I want to talk to somebody, you know, I, I yep. and my dad, my dad was not big into the whole, wasn't crazy about the whole field of psychology, but well, I that did. was like back when, when I was in my, like in the eighties and I wanted to go to, the, I mean, it still wasn't 
it's like my parents, I remember them feeling like they maybe feeling like they failed because I went to therapy or something. Yeah, like that. I imagine that could be it. And there's a, oh, you should be able to do it yourself. And right. All the, Bootstraps. All this kind of stuff. Right. But anyway, that was kind of the start of my seeking help. And, and I was in, I think in my senior year in high school, I was reading Freud and I was reading all the psychologists and trying to figure out what was going on and everything. <laughs> Anyway, so so I get through, I graduate, I go to college one year, then I transfer to another college my second year. Okay. Then I get wrapped up in I'm in New I'm at NYU downtown my second year and I get wrapped up in, I have a friend from Baltimore who comes to be with me at my second half of the year. She's very politically oriented. Martin Luther King gets killed. We get arrested at a demonstration in Philadelphia that weekend. Then the Columbia sit-ins happening happen. We're there, et cetera. We end up both dropping out. We live in the East Village for a while. <laughs> wow. So, <laughs> right? Yeah. East 4th Street between 1st and 2nd. I want to say right. that sounds like fun, but. Not exactly. No. Okay. Okay. <laughs> it was different. Again, it was different. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, I'm still looking at that point. I think my friend was going to a, like a, she started going to an analyst. She had gone as a kid. She had, she was, she was from the Jewish school in Baltimore and a bunch of them that I became friends with after I graduated from high school, they were in the class behind me. They, it was more routine for them to go to psychologists as kids, I guess. Right. Of had gone to a number of psychologists. So you so fit in. She started going to somebody. And so I, I was just following. I didn't know what I wanted. I was kind of pretty lost just trying to get through the day each day. Started seeing somebody up there. So in other words, this is kind of leading up. Eventually, we're going to get the paradox because I've, I've experienced all kinds of therapies. Or Okay. I, Interesting. This, this was the experience of laying on the couch with the guy behind me. Oh, you did that. Pipe smoking his pipe, drinking his tea while I, I lay on the couch, looked at his books of all his books by Freud, et cetera. Like Woody he Allen. Might, he might've been napping. I'm not sure he was always awake, <laughs> but, but in any case, I had that experience. Okay. Then I end up, um, my friend is going to leave New York. I can't stay there by myself. I moved back to Baltimore for a year. Mm -hmm. I work, I work in a, like a, a kindergarten for disturbed kids. Cause interesting. Cause yeah, you um, were familiar. Yeah. So then I'm about to finally move out because all my life I'm like feeling like I just can't make it on my own. I felt so, you know, life was too, felt too overwhelming. So I, I'm about to move out to Philadelphia to live with a couple of friends. And I'm, I come down the stairs in my home in Baltimore and I get drawn like a magnet to this book that's on the, in the front hall that my dad has brought home from the office really funny that he would bring home a book on any kind of therapy, given his feelings about therapy, mm -hmm. but it was a book called The Primal Scream, which wow. I, I swear to God, Joe, I was like, it was like a magnet. It was like, just, whoop. yeah, I, I could see that with I what you've told me. I mean, I, did, I didn't see the title. It was just literally oh. like a feeling, like a, all I'm feeling, you know, all, yeah, it seemed like all feeling. Okay. So I read, I start reading this book. I, I take it upstairs. I have my first quote unquote primal about my cat. No surprise there. I call up Janov's house in that, in those days, this is like probably 68, 69, I guess. Mm -hmm. In those days you could maybe even 70, I guess it was 1970 by now. 
you could you could still call information and get somebody's number. <laughs> so right. I, called, I called information in Los Angeles. I got Arthur Janoff's number. I called his house. His son answered. Arthur Janoff was away. I said, please, you know, send me an application. I want to come and do this. I was sure, sure this was going to answer all my problems because that's kind of what the book promised. Eventually, I go out there. I start December 7th, 1970. I start my intensive at the Primal Institute. Right? Wow. Wow. Now, it did not exactly deliver what it promised. Mm -hmm. And long story short, I end up six months after I get there, one of the training therapists splits off from Janov because the two egos couldn't exist under the same roof. <laughs> he starts another place called the Center for Feeling Therapy. I, I go with those people. It turns out to be like the biggest cult of its kind. The 70s oh, okay. were of a lot of cults in and on. There were a lot of those things going on. So uh -huh. I, so I'm in this, I end up being in this cult for 10 years, basically. Oh so my goodness. A therapeutic community, right? That's the answer to everything. Not exactly. Anyway, so I learned a lot again in retrospect. Now when I look back and I go, oh, I look, I learned a lot about brainwashing. I learned about a lot about peer pressure. I learned about a lot about going along with the crowd. Um, I learned, uh, you know, just how that all those kind of dynamics work, which I think is very relevant to a lot of what we're going through today. Absolutely. Um, you know, so anyway, so I'm in this cult for 10 years, then that that falls apart. That must have um, been really uh challenging 10 years was, yeah it was not it was not an easy 10 years but <laughs> but again you know and one of the things again that i that i got out of it i would say is that it it for one thing it kept me in touch with this notion of our emotions and our feelings and that aspect of us as humans which was so key to me um because that was what i was always trying to solve and it also kept me on oh life can be different than what most people are doing <laughs> you know yeah like, kind of like listening almost listening to your own own voice even well, though I, you probably didn't say, feel like you were i wouldn't say i had a voice at that time right but, right but you know uh, anyway, something was so, like pulling you like to these experiences it seems oh, like because they for sure and when i looking back on it yeah you know, i can say yeah, I believe I totally planned this. If I had to plan a life for myself to get me to where I am today, I couldn't have planned it any better. <laughs> um, you know, so yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. So so then that falls apart. Mm -hmm. I end up moving to Vermont. I had a, a friend, one of my two friends that I felt was my friend in high school, my senior year, is living in Vermont. Nice. And and my one of my brothers is living in Vermont. So I come to visit. I come back to live and thank God I did. I feel Vermont has been so good to me. I've been here since 1981. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, and I love Vermont. I feel very safe here. Um, I've had, again, different experiences, including, you know, shortly after I got here, I met these people who were living out in the woods with no phones and no electrical hookup and outhouses. Oh, my and, goodness. And I'm looking at these people going when I first met them, I remember thinking these people are crazy. I could never do this because here I had moved from LA where I was wearing makeup and doing my hair and getting my nails done every other week and blah, 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 wearing heels and you know, this whole thing. I, I come here, I get my Sorrells, I get my cross country skis, I 
you know, get rid of my, I give my heels away. Again, you know, I say nobody, I could never do this. Never say never, because I had also said LA was a place I would never live. So I ended up there for 10 years. So shortly after saying never say never, but these people living in the woods, guess what? I'm living in the woods Wow! <laughs> with the outhouse and the whole nine yards. And I, it was so peaceful. I feel like it was so healing. And the people I was, you know, I was there with were wonderful people. And I bet you learned a ton. It was so slow. It was, you couldn't drive up to the house that I lived in. You had to walk or ski in in the winter. Whoa. Um, you know, it was, I, there were nights that I would ski in uh, in the winter with a pack and gone shopping at the co-op. I was working part-time at the music department at Dartmouth College by then, skiing in in the winter with this pack on my back of food just about in tears because my hands were so cold. Everything was so cold and I just wanted to get to the house because I knew it would be warm because there was wood heat. <laughs> oh my goodness. But, but just miserable. That's a different experience. <laughs> yeah, the whole thing. You know, here's a funny story. My mother says to me, and, and I ended up getting a horse, part of moving to Vermont and, and then living in the woods. I, I ended up, I had bought a horse because that was part of the dream of living in the country right? Every girl wants a horse. A lot of girls want a horse. So I'd, I had gotten a horse. Where was I going with this story? Oh my gosh, I totally lost my train of thought. I was living in the woods. I got this horse. It'll come back. Okay. okay. Anyway. Oh, that's what I was going to tell you. So I'm out there one day. I'm 35 years old. A friend of mine wanted a, um, he thought he wanted a horse. So we bred my horse. She had a baby. Right. So I'm out there one morning kicking the ice out of their their buckets. They're in the woods with us there in the in the winter and the summer. They were over on pasture. But and my mother has said to me, here's my mother picturing me living in the woods with an outhouse, et cetera, et cetera. And she had said to me, how can you be living such a hard life? So one day I'm out there kicking the ice out of the buckets thinking hard life. Wait a minute. When my mother was my age, she had five kids. The hardest thing I have to do is kick the frozen ice out of their buckets on these, you know, <laughs> under zero degree morning. That's the hardest thing that I do. <laughs> what is she talking about? What is she and talking again, about? Again, it's this whole relative reality. You know, the people look yes. from the outside, just like me looking from the outside saying, I could never do that. And then there I am. Yep. Um, you know. Anyway, so I so I lived there. Eventually, if we're, we're going to get to the end of my well, there's not an end to my story yet, but to where we are now. So eventually, I leave that situation. I go to massage school. I go to school to be a massage therapist, and I meet my husband May first, nineteen eighty nine, five p.m. I know exactly where wow. I met him because he was the only guy in the class. It was a very small class. Anyway, so I meet, I meet my husband, didn't, he wasn't my husband then, but, and, and that's been wonderful for me. And I wouldn't even go into all that because I got so much from, I, I didn't know if I'd ever get married. I was 49 by the time we got married. Wow. That's my yeah. First, my first time married, he had, he came with two kids. Mm -hmm. So I feel again, I must be living right because I ended up with three grandchildren, never having birthed a child in this life. So he's been another blessing. Not that it's been easy. We've certainly have tons of ups and downs. And in some ways, I think our souls are very similar, but then we have some real differences and we have some interesting differences about current reality. It is. It's I, I've just gotten so much and he's 
you know, he's one of nine. His family, wow. unlike, his family, unlike my family, were um, brought up to be best of friends. This, the, his matriarchal Irish mother had been wow. an only child and did not want anybody to suffer the fate that she felt being an only child was. She and her husband had nine kids and they were they were raised to be each other's best friends. It was a different tense. experience. Like, the family that I always wanted my family to be it was much to me it looked mm. you know and if my siblings ever listen to this they'll go oh that nina she's terrible you know she doesn't appreciate our family but 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 um you know but it it was just that was just one part of there were just so many parts and who my husband is and how he cares about people he's the kind of guy that and, and he's also had a range of experiences. I always say he's been everything from a massage therapist, a corrections officer at one end to a massage therapist. Wow. And ended up his last 25 plus years as a teacher at the at the technical high school. Yeah. So that's been a, a wonderful blessing. Um, I bet. His whole family and the kids and now the grant, you know. So now to kind of. Yeah. Listen. Bring us up around to present day. Okay. So let's go to March of 2020. Sure. Um, Okay, March of 2020, this people are starting to hear about this virus. And I remember somebody at work, and by now I'm I'm working. I had a number of different jobs through all of the six different lifetimes. Um, I worked at Middlebury College for a while, and then I ended up getting they were going to fire me. They gave me the option to resign. Blah blah blah. And I I count that as another blessing because I ended up working at Home Depot and, and then working for the Vermont Country Store, working at a vet clinic. I worked at a vet wow. clinic eight, eight years in the kennels with the animals, which was to me was like going back to my roots of who I am. Yes. I love the time with the animals. You know, so I've done a number of different things, never had a quote unquote career, toyed with a, a lot of things, always studied, was always studying you know, going to Tony Robbins things, still looking for answers, studying whole food, plant-based nutrition, always folk wanting to be healthy, looking mm -hmm. at health. What did that mean? I've said, I never met a healing modality I didn't like, <laughs> um, you know. I love but, that. I remember when I, you shared that. Yeah, and it's true. And I, so I've studied a lot of things and uh, and tapping, I was into, I, I love tapping. How you did that? That was one of the most effective things I ever found of all the things really? that I've ever done was tapping. I love with Brad Yates's work. Yeah, I know a lot of people that have have spoken highly about that. Yeah, so. it's it's very good. I, I always when I first met Paradox, I kind of wanted to meld tapping and Paradox was my first thought. And I studied quite a few of these modalities. Mm -hmm. I would start training in them thinking, well, I could teach this to people. And I never made that step to completing the training mm -hmm. and going on to being a teacher until now. So March of 2020, I'm this quote unquote pandemic is here. And I remember somebody is asking me at work and now I'm working for the Vermont country store, which is, you know, having a lot of great things about working there. I'm on the phones as a customer service rep. Okay. And then, and then I'm a, uh, well, first I'm a sales rep, then I'm a customer service rep. And then I get to work in retail. What I was going to say about losing my job at Middlebury college was I got to experience these kind of more blue collar different different kinds of jobs you know i got out of that higher education yeah yeah um, i've done that too and it's definitely yeah. been a blessing in retrospect yeah. yeah so you know because i definitely was kind of an elitist myself i have to say looking down on people who weren't you know of a certain whatever oh yeah but, 
you know, but, but I, my husband helped me with that a lot <laughs> because he's not, <laughs> he's not that in the elitist crowd at all. And he's so um, cool, but, but one of the smartest people I've, and one of the smartest people I've ever met. So anyway, so March, I am, I remember somebody at work asked me, are you afraid of this, Nina? Are you afraid of this virus? And I said, no. And I just, I just never was. I just never had a fear about it. And then the end of March. Oh, I, I didn't even tell you the whole part about how I was. I eventually got diagnosed as bipolar. I was on I was medicated for decades. A couple of you really a couple of decades. Yeah, I was on psych meds. Mm -hmm. Tried several times. I got a diagnosis of atypical bipolar. Um, tried to take myself off meds a couple of times. It didn't work. Finally. So you've been through the mental health system. Yes. You know, I was told anytime I would want to, you know, I was told you'll probably have to take these for the rest of your life, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I would try to take them myself off them. Wasn't until the last, this last time I, three, now I've been off them for over three years. Successfully. Wow. I, I consider myself meditated rather than medicated because I found Emily Fletcher and Ziva meditation. That was the first time I mean, tapping kind of does this, but this was the first, the biggest push I had ever had to go inside. To really? Yep. Yep. And I love the meditating and I give it a lot of credit for me being able to successfully finally get off the meds. I also give Peter Bragan and his work a lot of credit because he has a book called, I think it's called Withdrawal from Psychiatric Medicine. Yeah. Something yeah. Like I, and, I followed and some of that just because yeah. I did take a, I went off of two. Yeah. He talks about the awareness that when you come off of them, you go through withdrawal with most, a lot of them. And if you're not aware of that, what happened to me, the other times I would try to take myself off them was I start feeling lousy physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And I, and my husband and my best friend all go, see, you need the meds, and right? You go back and you so take it's a cycle. Again. Yeah. So, but, but once I got Peter Bragan and his work on board and I understood, okay, withdrawal, withdrawal doesn't mean you need the medication. Withdrawal means you've been addicted to something. And between that and, the, and Emily's meditation, I, I was able to stay and my will, I think by then I was like, I do not want to take these things anymore. Yeah. And then I had a very interesting experience of First, my brain clearing. There were times when people, when I was medicated, when I, I think people in my family would say, kind of make a reference to me being slow or me being, I think oh, yeah. once, you know, I mean, you just seem like you're drugged sometimes. And I'm like, in retrospect, well, I was drugged. <laughs> yes, that's yeah. true. My own personal experience when I came off them was first that my mind cleared and then my, my emotions, my heart cleared. And it was it was, it took a while it was uh -huh. overnight. It took months, if not a year or more, but it was a definite feeling of, Oh, I was, those cleans were clearing out. I felt like I could think more clearly. Mm -hmm. I could feel who I was more clearly. I, okay. So, so I'm off medication. It's this, it's 2020 March. The pandemic is starting. The lockdowns are starting. Yep. My meditation teacher, Emily Fletcher, sends out a video she's decided that we everyone that with what the world's going through we need to meet thomas jones and his work the paradox process mm -hmm. one of the, 
co-creators of the paradox process. So she sends a video out to all of her Ziva students, her meditation students, which is worldwide group. She, people, she's got people meditating all over the world because she couldn't understand why everybody doesn't do this. So she decided she, that's what she wanted to do was help everybody do this, um, meditate. I watched the video. You've mm -hmm. seen the video. Yeah, um, and I will put that in the notes for anybody that wants to okay. explore Ziva meditation and paradox process too. Right, right. Great, great. So. So, and I did the exercise along with Emily and it was Thomas working with Emily about how to, what kind of perception did she wanna have or could she have about this lockdown and what we're going through and sort of shifting the way she saw it and felt about it. So, and I did the exercise along with her in the, med in the in watching the video mm -hmm. and I was just amazed at the effect it had on me. I, it was just like, Oh my gosh, sign me up. Yeah. <laughs> I, want to, I want to do this. I called my best friend. I said, I had also done Ziva meditation. Uh -huh. I had told her about med Ziva meditation. She had done that too. I called her up. I said, you've got to, you, you've got to watch this video that Emily sent us. She watched it. She also had a profound effect from it, from doing it. And there, Amazing. Then, then I started going to I started going to my first the Monday night classes. Thomas offers a Monday night class on Zoom. And can you just before you go right into it, could you just tell me in brief? I pulled up the site and uh, Paradox Process like it brings the conscious mind present by eliminating negative emotions from the past and clearing anxieties and worries about the future. And this results in an emotional shift that uncovers insight, thus allowing the individual to reveal the best version of himself. Right, exactly. So I was walking back from getting my hair done this morning and I was thinking about talking to you and I was thinking paradox process is a number of technologies that help you uncover your true self, help you get yes. down to your true self. So true. Because, because I believe, I mean, there are a lot of different ways to talk about this there's the right brain left brain there's for the spiritual people and spiritual there's the higher self and the ego um or the identity there you know there are a number of ways you can talk about this but what however you want to word it my belief is we all have a, like an authentic true self i think there are many many people living on the planet who have a sense that wait a minute what i'm experiencing it's not exactly what I think life is really supposed to be. That it, totally. It, it really, I think it's a. You know, I think a lot of people kind of feel like I think it's supposed to be different than this, <laughs> or at least yeah. it, or at least it could be. You know, and that um, like that like kind of hole in your heart. Like, what else is there? You know. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Is this is this really all it is? Am I supposed to doubt myself and feel bad about myself this much? Am I supposed to be this scared? couldn't things be better than this couldn't i be happier isn't isn't there's is there something more i'm supposed to be doing in my life you know all those kind of questions that i think people the paradox process gives the the best tools i have ever found in all of my searching for getting in touch with that and again like ziva meditation it sends you inside for your answers but what it has is actual technologies that help clear the, you know, we talk about clearing the excess emotional charge because all of those negative feelings and beliefs actually cloud, keep us from seeing a clear vision. 
of who we are and what the situations in our life are. Wow, beautifully and, stated. Thank you. And and when you clear that, everything looks different and you see different, you see possibilities, you see different possibilities. Life kind of opens up and you feel more empowered, clearer, and you can make better, different choices going forward and, and thereby get different outcomes. And yes, and I can share to with you the little experience I've, well, with paradox process, I've had a lot of healing modalities over the course of my life and really done a lot of, in the last few years, done a lot of real deep inner work, kind of a unique, I have my own unique process with running and, and cannabis was a part of my process, you know, so I think that I had had a lot of deep inner, you know, I knew, I knew a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so when, I, when Nina wanted to do paradox process, I was like, this looks interesting. I'm, you know, I'm always like willing to try something. I think I was fairly new to the spiritual community, but anyway, so we started it and, you know, I honestly need it. At first I was skeptical because I, to me, like, I feel like I, I had to be ready to open myself. And I think when I first started, I was still really tight. So I wasn't like feeling it, but we practiced it or we did it over the course of, it took a while. And I had a huge breakthrough that I don't know how I would have ever gotten to that. I mean, I just, it doesn't matter. I'm grateful for the breakthrough that I had that really opened up some windows for me. And again, changed my perceptions really quickly. Like it was just yeah. like, a, I had to actually go in and like be engaged with the process and feel it. Um, and it was, I will tell you, it was an intense process, but it was quick. I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it's a really a unique tool. Let's also say that it's fun doing it, right? Yes. It's It's a lot of fun. Down and dirty and serious and and hard. It is work. It does require work application and practice. It's also fun. It's fun. Like you're I'm sitting there (laughs) crying. These feelings are coming up, but pretty soon, you know, you're right back in it and we're laughing. And it's just, it's a beautiful, beautiful opening. And yeah. Well, thank you. And you, I will say you have been a pleasure. You are a pleasure to teach. You know, I, I, I can sit. I'm a my student goal. of life, Nina. <laughs> I know. And I know the fact that you and I have so many commonalities helps too. You know, there's all of that, but. Thank you. So, thank you. So, yeah, you're welcome. So now at this point, mm-hmm. um, and it took me a while. So I, I found Paradox. I also found this Lori Ladd to whom we connected. And I would say between the two, those two things, which to me go beautifully hand in hand. Yeah, they kind of do. I have never been happier than I have since this pandemic came to our lives. (laughs) (laughs) I really, really haven't. And I know that's going to sound strange to some people because I know people are suffering. I understand that. I've suffered I've suffered a lot in my life. You shared, you know, like, I think you, through your talk, I could feel, I mean, we can't go into depth. I could just feel around the outsides of some of that. And that's a lot, a lot of, a lot of living. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. You've Um, walked through a lot. But, and now I am, I'm going to take my test to be a facilitator. Right. I wanted to mention that. So she's going to be right. Early, early December. 51 years after I started primal therapy, <laughs> uh, I, I have told, I have told Thomas Jones, I said, you know, I went to primal therapy 50 years before I found you. He promised to help me with my emotional upsets. He did not deliver. Thank God you deliver. <laughs> Thank God I found you, you know, <laughs> because you do, you deliver. So I, I can't say enough good things about 
the process, the people. It's a really interesting group of people. I mean, a lot of them are creative people, which mm -hmm. I think is interesting. I, I had, yeah, you know, they were singers or they were, you know, one of the main facilitators was a costume designer before another one was a singer. What I had connected with, with them being performers, creative mm -hmm. people was the have being in touch with that creative part of yourself is really part of what the paradox process is going after. Somebody else said the other day in one of our classes that um, as performers, that there are people who are used to using their body as an as their instrument, mm -hmm. right? Which is also what you do because the clearer you are about yourself, the better you understand the other people that you encounter in life yeah. in whatever in whatever way, you know, it just things just become clearer. Um, the other thing I will say, because one of my big concerns before I signed up to take the training for the mm -hmm. first time, of course, given my history was, is this a cult? <laughs> that was, that was probably my biggest question. Yeah. And you know, when you first introduced it, I had that thought, I thought this is, this is something I've never seen before. You know, that the feeling clear sounded like it sounded yeah. like it could be some like weird thing, but right. yeah, I can yeah. see that you would yeah. hesitate yeah, there. No. I, you know, several people, I asked a couple of the facilitators about that, you know, it got answered to my satisfaction that it wasn't. Mm -hmm. And I would say one of the, the clearest things. So one of the facilitators I talked to about it, when I asked her that question, she was like, I know what you mean. She, in fact, had lost a good friend to a cult. So wow. she, she had the same red flags yeah. go up. But what she said to me was, they never tell you, you know, nobody in paradox is going to tell you what to do. And number two, they're always pointing you back inside for your yeah. own answers. You're always being redirected. It's just clearing out what's inside you for your own answers and your right. own insights. It takes some time to learn it, but it's not something that you can't do for yourself. It's not something that's going to keep you right. dependent right. on any right. system or anything. So that's exactly. really. It's to put tools in your hands to be able to take care of yourself. So as Thomas said recently, when you wake up at three o'clock in the morning and you don't have a, a facilitator of the paradox process there, you don't need to call them because you've got tools that you can deal with what's going on with you. Right, and I think I've gone so far to it. We talked about introducing it to my son, uh, Jack, who yeah. you know has some cha learning challenges. And, yeah. you know, just recently he seems to be figuring out how to introduce it to him and just making it as simple as possible. Now he has a sign on his wall that thanks to our discussion, <laughs> you, you I just it wrote it. I took a Sharpie and I wrote it big. And he, the minute he saw that, Nina, he was, I knew that is exactly what he wanted. He was yeah. like, oh, you know, like he oh. had said, could you make me yeah. something? Can't remember. And, and so we did that. So I think the opportunity for people that are have special needs or whatever, however you want to phrase that, yeah. um, it's, it's a great tool that works quickly and really can provide yeah. just a lot of, a lot of healing, I would say. And Absolutely. Well, I'm glad he had such a good response to seeing the sign. That's great. I, I was also makes me think, my original thought when I went to primal therapy was that if that worked, so my youngest brother has Down syndrome, Christopher, right? Right. And my original thought was, if this works, I'm going to come back and teach it to my brother and people like my brother. Now, I don't know that that he's fine now. He doesn't need that. He's actually, he's going to be 60 this month and wow. he's doing really well. And he's it's in that beautiful. wonderful community. I'm so glad Jack is getting benefit yeah. out of that. That's, that's great. 
So yeah, you've been like amazing blessing in my life. Oh, thank you, Jill. Thank you. I had to Jill. say it before you I forget. I feel the same about you. And do you see what I'm wearing? Yes, I do. Yes. Good. <laughs> it's like your power bracelet, power up. It is. Yeah. I wear it every day unless I'm going to do something yeah. where it might get dirty or I might break it. <laughs> yeah, I know. I have them too. I have a few of them. And you know where they sell them at the Rutland Pharmacy. Uh, they, we have a pharmacy that's like a little, has a little right. bit of everything. I think we have a Rutland pharmacy up here. Yeah. <laughs> you should see if they have any bracelets. It's like they have these weird things in there. I like started they looking. Might, I, they might. I know they do have a variety of things in there. Yeah. Maybe there's a Rutland pharmacy franchise for every, <laughs> every state that has a Rutland in it. <laughs> Who knows? Right. That's yeah. Funny. That's funny. Talking about the paradox process. I just want to say, since we're on it. Yes. There, if people want to experience it, there's Emily's, we talked about Emily, the video with Emily and Thomas. There's also a yep. great interview with Thomas Jones by Luke Story, which tells you a lot about who Thomas Jones is, how he, how, how he sees people, how he sees emotions, how he sees life, which I find very informative. I've listened to it a number of times. I always get more out of it. And um, I can say, I can echo that. Yeah, it's great yeah, video. Yeah. Um, and, and then and then if they want to experience it more themselves, if you go on the website, paradoxprocess.org, there are Monday night classes that usually Thomas teaches that I've been going to ever since I found them. I don't think I've missed a Monday night class. Wow. Um, and they're great. Those those are twenty five dollars. Well worth it mm -hmm. for class. And then but on Thursday nights, it's that's at eight o'clock and it's by Zoom and you, they just send you a link. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Thursday night at seven, there's a basics class taught by some of the senior facilitators, which is 45 minutes. I myself often go to that. I always get something out of wow. it. Because as somebody who's training to be a facilitator, I just want to just sink you soak it all up. I, I do. I want to soak it all up. I get to observe how the teachers teach the people in the basics class. You know, I just learn, learn, learn. I just oh, I I feel like a sponge. I feel like this is my destiny. This is what I've always been looking for. I prepared myself really well to be in a good place to take it on when I met it and now to embody it, basically. Beautiful. Yeah. And I can I can just feel like how after even more, after hearing all your lived experiences, just how each one kind of built a little platform that that not only led you forward into more into where you are now, but will return as you go into paradox and as an instructor, just the your relatability with people based on your lived experience. You know, I think that's one thing for podcasting that I appreciate all my experiences because whenever I'm interviewing someone, I can find some like little thing in their past, like oh, you lived in Chicago or, oh, you did this. And I'm sure the same is true for you. And that just like right there, it like opens up the bond. Yeah. So yeah. 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 see that yeah. you're well-prepared and just, you just embody so much joy. I have to tell you that, like, I mean, not the whole time, but yeah, there's just this humor and joy in your presence. So oh, that kind you. of has led me to keep to keep sticking with paradox as someone who has had, like I've done a lot of healing and stuff at first it, I was so curious, but it really took, and this has been my process. I had to be in my heart. So yeah. I'm, I can talk and understand all these things way up here. And I have to like feel it in my gut. And I did, and I just honor you. So, well, th thank you, Jill. Um, thank you. I appreciate that. You almost brought me to tears when you were talking about me and <laughs> my oh. experiences. <laughs> 
this has been really fun. Good. Yeah. This that's all the questions I have for you. Unless you have anything else to share, I, I I'm going to post all that information that you mentioned. The links. It'll take me. It'll take me a week or so to get this processed. Um, but uh, I will. It'll all be in the show notes, and people can, should take advantage of this. I think. Well, not should, but if you feel called. Right. Right. Yeah. If you want to, as Laurie says, if it resonates. If it resonates, yeah. <laughs> if you're interested, if you're intrigued, if you're whatever. <laughs> yeah, if you're exactly. curious. If you're curious. Yeah. Yep. Yep. But, all right. Well, all right. Well, that's all I have. So thank you, Nina. And uh, God bless. I'll thank love you. you. I love you too, Jill. Take care. <laughs>